Welcome to In the Eyes of. For the first episode of the Pride series, we're joined once again by Victoria Salazar, where she will talk to us about her experience inside the LGTB community in Mexico. Vic, welcome to In the Eyes of one more time. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for the people who don't really know who you are, who didn't listen to the last episode that we have you in? Hi, thank you so much for having me again. I feel so special to be here more than one time. And um, my name is Victoria. I go by Vic. I'm 20 years old. I identify as a lesbian. My pronouns are she, they, and I live in Monterrey, Mexico. So for this opening episode of our Pride series, we're basically asking people to share their stories inside their communities, you know, this to create more empathy to people outside the community, because I know there are a lot of questions and a lot of misunderstandings of what is going on. So Vic, do you mind sharing us a small part of your story, if you feel comfortable, of how you came to find out you were lesbian and, you know, the pronouns and all of these things that are often misunderstood by others? I came out to myself when I was about 13 years old, which when I talk to my friends that are in the LGBT community, that is around the age in which we came out to to oneself. Um, but I didn't really know that I was supposed to. I I think I always knew from when from when I was a, a kid, when I was like six, seven, eight, that there was a difference in myself and my friends that were obviously having crushes on, on boys. And I didn't feel that way. And I didn't know I was supposed to. I was just chilling. I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Like, you can do that. I don't like anybody, but I don't. I was I was always very upfront about this fact. I was like, I don't like any dudes. Because they'd be like, oh, is there any boy you like? And I, I would just say, no, not particularly. And I remember when I was a kid, I had a boyfriend and everything. Like one of those kindergarten boyfriends that like you don't... Yeah, it's basically your best friend. Yeah, just a, just a friend. But people, it's like, oh, you like each other. Exactly. Yeah, I had a, I had a boyfriend in quotation marks. I made quotation marks. Um, keep forgetting this is like a podcast and people can't see me. Um, I had a boyfriend. Um, his name is Mason. And uh, one day he asked me like, oh, like, who do you like? And I, I think he thought I was going to say him. I, I was like six or seven years old. And I was like, oh, I like Brenda. And he'd be like, yo, what? <laughs> and like you cannot like brenda you know because it's not the norm yeah he was like why do you like brenda and i was like i don't know you asked you asked who i like i can't tell you why like you just asked but i was like six or seven years old and there was also this other thing that these are like memories that i look upon now that they all make so much sense now but as a kid like you were just living them you didn't know there was anything particularly wrong with what you were saying or, or doing or feeling. And there's nothing wrong with it either. It's just not, yeah, you know, you just couldn't, you couldn't process. Because when you're a kid, they don't teach you that there's a right or a wrong, as, as a kid, for me at least. Um, and the sort of fear of, oh, wait, maybe this is wrong, got instilled 
during these few moments by other people's reactions. So another small memory I had that I look back on is I was at a friend's house and we were at the dinner table and her mom was like, oh, do you know what you want to be when you grow up? And I said, oh, I want to be a boy. Like, I want to be a man when I grow up. And my friend was like, why? Like, what? And I was like, oh, because they don't have to get pregnant. And being pregnant is an idea that scares me. And also they get to marry, they get to have a wife. And I want to have a wife. And the only way for that to happen when I was a kid was being a man. Because I only ever saw men having wives. Exactly. So this wasn't even me having like, this wasn't even the beginning of like a, any sort of gender confusion. I was just, I want to grow up and have a wife. And the only possibility of that was through being a man when I grew up. And how was this whole process? Because you mentioned at the beginning, you came out to yourself. And I imagine this is a big thing within the community. You know, first you acknowledge this really big thing happening that is not the norm, that is not accepted by society, at least in the Mexican society, it's not really, we're not there yet as we would like to be. But what is this process of yourself and then the others? Because I imagine it's two very different and separate things. Absolutely different things. Um, I think that when I came out to myself, as, as I mentioned, there are these little moments where I feel different. Where it's like these little moments all throughout my life where it's, I can tell that I am at a different place in which other people are. We are at different starting points, I guess. But I didn't, I couldn't put a name to them. So as a kid, I, I couldn't be like, oh, this is happening. I feel different in this regard because I am a lesbian or because I am attracted to women or because I want romantic relationships with women. I couldn't just say that. I, I couldn't put a name to it. And and my parents obviously wouldn't be like, oh, you feel so different because you're a lesbian, obviously. Of course, they sort of knew, but they didn't say that ever. But they were gonna, they were not going to call it out. Yeah, they weren't gonna just expose me to myself in that way. The first time I started coming out to myself was when I was 13. And my best friend, he called me one night and he said, I have to tell you something. I was like what do you have to say to me? I was like, I'm gay. I like men. And I said, what? I was just so shocked. That was legitimately the first time anybody ever said that to me. And I think the thing I said to him was like, that's a thing. It was like, I, 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 I think I had the shittiest reaction probably because I was so confused. I was like, that's a thing. And he was like, yeah, I, I like men. And I wanted to be, a, I was aware that I was reacting so shittily and I wanted to be there for him because he's my best friend still to this day. And I said, um, do you want to talk about it? And he was like, yeah, I can talk about it. And part of it was me wanting to be a good friend and part of it was curiosity. It's, I was like, how did you know? And he was like, I just, I don't know how to explain it. I just like men. I, I, I've never... Um, wanted to be with the woman in that way and I was like in what way and he was like I don't know just like love or, or affection or intimacy vulnerability comfort um all of those ways in which I have always been made to feel that I should feel for the opposite 
sex sex or gender I just feel that way for the same sex or gender and I was like okay cool and I was so terrified because it was resonating with me and after we hung up I I was I remember I was in the living room and I remember this because I didn't feel comfortable listening to this like alone and of course there wasn't anybody else in the living room it's just the feeling of I want to like I, I don't know. I, maybe I wanted witnesses or something. But I <laughs> went back to my room. I locked myself in the bathroom. I looked at the mirror. I looked at myself in the mirror. And I was crying. And I looked at myself and I was like, you're gay. And I started crying so much. I was like, fuck. Oh, sorry. I forgot oh, I can't. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I can't swear. <laughs> that makes it more real. <laughs> but that's legitimately what I said. I looked at myself and I was like, oh you're gay and i didn't even say like i'm gay i was looking at myself so obviously it's the same thing but it was detaching myself from myself i was like you're gay and that was the first time i said it and then i didn't do anything about it for maybe a year and then i was in the car with the same friend and i told him like yo remember how you're gay he was like yeah And I didn't even say the words. I just said, me too. He was like, cool. He said nothing else. No offers of like, yo, want to talk about it. Anything you want to get off your chest. He was just like, cool. And we lived on. And that's the moment that I recall as being so scared. But I just breezed past it. And again, didn't do anything about it for another year, maybe. Until... And I can imagine it's hard. You know, like it's hard... to not know the reactions of other people when it comes to something so personal and not even personal, but just of yourself, you know, like something that you are just are, that there's like nothing wrong with you. It's just a reality and it feels... It's just what it is. Yeah, it feels sort of crazy because I've been so lucky in my process that I have had um, from people that are close to me, people that I love and cherish, I've had very few bad reactions in comparison to the overwhelming love and support from from people that I also hold very near and dear to my heart um but it's more so the uncertainty I think and we've talked about this before that um I don't deal very well with uncertainty that I really like my rules I really like things that are set in stone and this is not that it's it's something that fluctuates and sexuality is something that is fluid it's on a, it's on a spectrum and it can be something that is stagnant or it can be something that is uncertain and that's something that several people struggle with and being part of the lgtb community right now in mexico because of, as we've mentioned you've been traveling around and living in different places How does that resonate or compare with other people's stories in the sense of this uncertainty I can imagine is sometimes living under a fear that is not irrational because it's true to the times we're living in right now. You know, there's certain insecurity, there's certain danger on being part of the community. But how does that resonate in your daily life? I have been very lucky again as I state like my situation has not been as difficult as others 
And I think after the difficulty passed of of just I I feel like when I was coming out and coming to terms with myself, I was in a in a way checking off boxes in my list. And I was like, okay, my sister knows, check. My friends know, check. Um, have my first girlfriend, check. Tell my parents, check. And after I did all the, all those things, I wasn't so much afraid as I was looking for what's next. Like, oh, what's next? I did come out to the public at sort of the beginning of high school. So I was 15 when I had my first date with another woman. And I wasn't really afraid, I don't think. I should be, of I, I, I think I should have been, um, considering the context of where I live. I live in Monterey, for people that don't know, it is a very conservative location to be in. And it is not the most um, known for its friendliness to the LGBT plus community. Um, but I think, that because of the fact that my coming out has been so attached to other people, because I, I sort of always felt this way, it just was unnameable and intangible until a friend told me like, I'm gay. And I was like, cool, me too, I guess. And then it sort of, I sort of lived as I thought I should be living, like meeting other people in the LGBT community from where I am. And talking about it with my friend and starting to date people from I don't know where. Like just I think my 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 friend was dating a guy that had a friend that was bi and he was like, you should meet her and date also. And I went on like one date with her. It was okay, I think. But starting to do that, go going through the motions of what I thought I was supposed to be doing sort of kept me distracted from the fear I should have been feeling. I think fear was something I felt before I came out. And after I came out, it was sort of fine. And only recently, I realized, um, I think recently is maybe in the last two years that I'm more involved with the feminist movement. I realized that there is an imminent danger to being who I am. And This is because the first anything I went to, the first um, like protest was my friend Elche. You, you've talked with her before. She's very incredible. My friend Elche was like, I'm going to go to a protest at the local university because two women that go there that are dating got assaulted by a couple of dudes that are homophobic. And I was like, oh, okay, that is not cool. Because of course, um, me being the way that I am did not do wonders for me in high school. I was not, oh, cool. Okay, notification. <laughs> I was not exactly greeted with open arms for most of high school, but I thought that was just like a me thing. I had no idea that this stuff was happening to other people as well until as i said until i went to this to this protest to this to this sit-in i think it's more so what it was and i, I saw all these people just 
not even I didn't even see other people that were wearing any pride things. I, I think it was just just allies of the movement until I realized that this was a legitimate problem where I am. And I think that involves also what we were mentioning, well, what you were mentioning about Monterrey being so conservative. It's so conservative that I don't know. This is why I am assuming it's like people don't talk about it often unless you're inside the community. So if you don't hear about it, then you don't know that there's these dangers because people just are ignoring it because it's not part of their daily lives when in reality it affects people close to them without them even knowing. Yeah, when I was in high school, um, as I have mentioned before, I didn't have that awesome of a time until I was practically my last semester of it. Like the second half of senior year, I started to have a good time because I feel like I was getting so many questions that I didn't have any answers to. I have had my issues in the past with mental health. And at the time, I was also struggling with depression. And I think my friends were like, are you depressed because you're gay? Or are you... Like, there were so many... There was so much stigma because I was the only lesbian that was there. And I, I had so many questions about things that were so me. And I was like, I don't... I'll answer, but I'm answering as myself. I'm not answering as a lesbian. Yeah, I don't, and that's invasive, a little bit invasive. Oh, too, I get so time. many invasive questions. You have no idea. I get so many. Everybody has so many questions and I always answer them. And I'll tell them like, this is incredibly invasive, but I am very open. So I'll answer. But I don't want you to think this is applicable to every lesbian you meet. This is only applicable to me. And this is a current, well, a recurring conversation that I'm having with people that are going to be in the next episodes, which is my experience is this one of my own you know it doesn't apply to other people and other people feel different and they go through different processes and they believe different but when it comes to minorities specifically apparently this one opinion that one person from that minority group may have it becomes the norm you know like it becomes like the thing totally that is so true that And it's, I, I feel like that's a thing that happens to everybody. But going back to what you were saying about we don't talk about it and unless until you hear about it, you don't realize it's a thing. Um, I had a couple of allies with me when I was in high school. And one of them um, is a friend of mine that is a straight cisgendered woman. And she didn't know I was gay until I told her I was going through a breakup. And she said... Oh, who is he? Who's the son of a gun? Who do I gotta who do I gotta pummel for you to feel better? And I was like, it's a she. And and she was like, What do you mean? And I was like, My ex is a girl. She's a woman. Um and I don't I wouldn't feel comfortable with any sort of violence being <laughs> um <laughs> applied to her. She's very she's very nice. We just broke up and I don't feel good about it. I just you know. And she was so shocked. She was like, I didn't know i'm so sorry and in a way i was sort of shocked because because i had been receiving harassment from maybe like five or six people from my high school i thought everybody was so against me 
because it's like six people were calling me like slurs or shoving me around in this like when I was going up and down stairs or something because it was like very crammed situation at my high school too so it was like very easy to push somebody to like physically assault somebody in that way and have it seem like oh just a casual hate crime you tripped yeah yeah like oh you tripped and because of these maybe five people that were doing this I thought everybody hated me and that's like the perspective I had at that time and I was like how did you not know I thought everybody knew and always talked about it and didn't like it she was like no I I had no idea none of my friends had any idea like we do not talk about this not in the slightest and um she was so nice and she has always been so wonderful and such a good ally but at the time I was so confused I was like, wow, straight people can be nice to me if they want to be. (laughs) I was like, this being homophobic is a choice as well as being an ally is. I just had not been familiarized with the choice because my experience with straight people that knew that I was gay, that are not my mom, my dad, my sister, had been bad, (laughs) had had been pretty bad. And that's awful. I'm so sorry you have to get to live to this experience and I'm guessing that you still encounter people to this day that are homophobic. So only to wrap up the conversation, you know, because of this short series episodes, what is something that you would want to say to other people that are listening, whether I think we can do two things, like to the people who are part of the community and to the people who are not part of the community. Yeah, I think I'll say this the same thing that I said last time, but it has a more specific aim now. And I'll explain why it applies to both of the the groups, people that are part of the LGBTQ plus community and people that are not part of it, but are allies or have loved ones that are a part of it. And I'll also shoot out a message to any homophobes listening out there. Um, And it's the same one for all of them. It's it gets better. It is incredibly cliche, but it is my favorite thing to, to say and to speak out to to an audience because it is so universal and so true to people that are in the lgbtq plus community that are not in a cool situation right now i hope they know that it's perfectly okay to be in the closet if it is what is keeping them safe and that it does get better and that there will come a time for them to feel comfortable in their own skin and for them to be proud of it and for them to find community and the people that are around them statistically they are not the only gay people within their like surroundings so it does get better you will find people that resonate with your experience and to straight people that have gay friends or friends that are in on the spectrum of the gay community it gets better you do not have to be worried for your friend it gets they are stronger than you think, probably. This coming from my own experience, I feel like my parents, my dad very specifically, um, he just wanted me to be happy. He didn't really care if I was gay or whatever. He was more so like, as long as you're happy, you're okay. And at the same time, he was like, just make sure that your happiness is never endangered. But that was his way of being like, a concerned parent for my safety knowing the context from where I live so 
it does get better for you too. If you feel confused and you don't understand your friend or your loved one, make sure to ask questions. They don't mind. And if they mind, they will tell you. I don't think anybody ever answers questions from loved ones they don't feel comfortable answering. And for homophobes, it gets better for you too, honey. Like you don't gotta, you're not gonna be a homophobe forever if you surround yourself with exposure therapy. If you're a homophobe and you're afraid of gay people, they're so awesome. We're so cool. <laughs> I, I'm we're very, just people. Yeah, we're just people. I'm a very patient person. I don't, <laughs> I've had to deal with homophobes before and I'm sure I'll do it again, you know? Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time again to be on this podcast. And I want to remind everyone of your bravery. You know, this is something we mentioned on the last episode. And if any of the people who are listening haven't listened to it, you should probably go there and listen to what Big has to say. But thank you so much for your bravery and for being so honest and upfront about your stories and never being scared of sharing. Sharing is a very powerful tool. And as I don't know who said, but these are very wise words, sharing is caring, you know? And caring is very good. Caring is very important. And thank you so much for having me again. <laughs>